It's been about a decade since workforce planning was a really popular business practice. In these uncertain times, it's important to set business direction beyond a year, which may explain why we're now seeing a resurgence of interest in it. To shed some light on this, I'm joined by two expert guests, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Yes, uh, my name's Wendy Hirsch. I'm an independent researcher and consultant. I also do a lot of work with the Institute for Employment Studies in Sussex. And oddly, I started out as a workforce planner. There aren't so many around. So I'm a mathematician who's migrated into workforce planning and then into proper people. Okay. So (laughs) I'm a bit of a workforce planning geek. Perfect, you're in the right place then. Um, Ali. Yes, I'm Ali Weeks and I've worked for the CIPD for the last eight years. However, prior to that, I have uh, worked most of my uh, working life in HR practice and uh, currently my role is um, as HR content consultant. Now, I was on the CIPD site the other day and I was looking at the workforce planning fact sheet, which I think you wrote, Ali, didn't you? I did, you? yes. And I saw a phrase on there which really struck me. It said that workforce planning can be the most effective activity an organisation can engage in. That's a big claim. Yes, it is. And and I think it's really come into its own recently, um, especially with Brexit on the horizon. There was a few of us got together at CIPD when Brexit was announced. And we were all discussing how we can actually support our um, HR Uh, practitioners with how they can actually get through this time and plan for the future and that's when I just hit on the 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 idea to get back to basics and let's look at reviewing um, our workforce practices and actually starting to, to use workforce practice methodology to help us through these difficult time also many organizations are going through so much change there's a lot of automation and AI What better time, really, to see this resurgence in workforce planning? Well, absolutely. But, I mean, researching this ourselves, Wendy, I mean, it was a big thing kind of 10 years ago. It's kind of fallen away. Why was that? Well, it was actually a very big thing in the 1960s and 70s. It was a mature discipline, uh, you know, getting on for 50 years ago. Um, And much further back, um, you know, the Chinese early empires built a section of the wall a week. You know, they were supreme uh, workforce planners. I think it has tended always to fall away when employers have not found it so hard to get staff. And it always tends to come back when labour is tight and when people are worried about skill shortages and have to think further ahead. Also, as Ali's hinted, it comes back when people are nervous about change. And at the moment, you have both of those. You have a nervousness about change, not just Brexit, but much more widely. And you also have quite severe skill shortages in an economy that, oddly, considering the pickle we're in, has very high levels of employment and very low levels of unemployment. So employers can't bank on just going out and finding the people they need so easily. They need to think a bit further ahead. It feels like a big task for organisations that haven't really formally got their arms around it. What puts people off? Yeah, I think that some organisations will see this as a barrier. Um, they just see the, the term workforce planning and find, and look at it and think, gosh, that's far too complicated. And where on earth do I start? But what we really want to get the, the aim of this podcast and the message to get across is to start small. I think 
two particular things can put people off. One is they think they have to do a deep dive into data before they do anything else, and they don't know what data to deep dive into, and they probably don't have that data to hand. They also worry that they've got to then have a workforce plan, and the idea of a thing called a workforce plan also puts people off, and that that idea works in some organisations and not in others, it's perfectly possible to do really useful workforce planning without having a document called a workforce plan. And then if I can just add a third issue, I think they feel that managers want them to do it and give give it to them, rather than seeing it as a way of working with business managers, which I see it as being. I mean, that brings me to the question of, you know, if you're setting up a task force in your organisation to do this, who should be sitting on that? Because it's not just HR, is it? Exactly. You're exactly right. This is a, a business plan. It should not sit solely in within the HR department. I've seen references to soft and hard workforce planning. Discuss. Well, as a mathematician, I find it a bit odd that when we measure attitudes, we suddenly call it quantitative data. In fact, we're looking at Uh, different sorts of information and different sorts of decision. We're looking at information about what's there now. Much of that data is probably what you would call hard or factual data. We're also looking at what may happen in future. We're also, and it's something HR has rather lost, I think, need to be looking at recent trends. And most of the information systems we have are not very good at giving us trends. But also increasingly linking that with attitudinal data, which may be called soft. I'm not sure I find the terms hard and soft all that useful. But I think, as with anything, you think about where has this information come from? How much do I trust it? What does it tell me? Is it useful? So quality of your data? Uh, quality, but not necessarily ultra-precision. I think another barrier for people is they think if they can't measure everything to the fifth decimal point. As a mathematician, I just ask, is this a big number? Is it a small number? Is it getting bigger? Is it getting smaller? If people use that thinking more often, uh, they wouldn't be so concerned about umpteenth accuracy. This is an uncertain business. And we want to know which way something's moving. Shall we move on to stages? Where do we start with this? Uh, there are some key building blocks in workforce planning. Workforce planning is about the workforce. It's about resourcing. And therefore, it's both about the work you need done, which we would often call demand or need, and the supply, the other side of the equation, of the people who are going to do it. You can't do workforce planning if you don't look at both of those. HR tends as a function to look much more at the supply of people than the requirement for people. But with our great concern at the moment about productivity and about technological change, those are issues where you really have to redefine the people you need, not just the people you can get. But obviously we are projecting into the future, so it's a complex and necessarily not a factual business, is it? You are imagining what you will need. Yes, and you're using judgments, and there are different ways of using judgment. Having good data on what's there now is a good start point. Also, you're then looking at where is it going to be easy to find people, and where is it going to be difficult. And you can find people internally, from the people you've already got in post, or creating successes internally. You also have to be aware of who you can get externally. 
And that means understanding your labour market. Again, a well-developed science, but not one discussed perhaps quite enough by HR, which goes out one job at a time to recruit. That's not the same as understanding the labour market you're in. As you say, you're not necessarily working towards a hard and fast plan. You're more working towards a set of what, aspirations, but they, they'll change over time. It, this is contingency planning. It's going to be agile. It's going to evolve. It's going to change. What sort of time frame should people be looking at realistically? I think that's a really interesting question. And when you look at good workforce planning, as, for example, we have been doing with our recent work for CIPD at IES, what we found was good workforce planning on several different timescales. So we found some examples of excellent, extremely short-term workforce planning For example, in the residential care sector, where you have to have the right numbers of people on the staff each hour of each day, and as the numbers of people in a residential home go up and down, you need to be looking at that. They need to be safe, they need to be well cared for, but you don't want to be paying for a lot of people who aren't needed. So what sort of time frame are they working on? Well, they're working on every 24 hours, and they're modifying their staffing each week in terms of not just the number of residents in a home, but how ill they are. So it's like bed allocation in hospitals? Very much like the, the systems nurses developed many years ago, now not used so well in hospitals to make sure there are enough people so that's an example of very short-term planning so would our many transport systems um, require very short-term planning Um, commonly people are looking at a year at the sort of annual budget cycle that's relevant but it's a very narrow definition of what workforce planning is just getting the headcount right for the year isn't really um, very thoughtful workforce planning but important and then I think how far ahead you look depends on the business you're in so when I've worked with sectors like pharmaceuticals I know Ali's worked in that sector also the product cycles are very long people are looking what five to ten years ahead sometimes longer yes I guess sometimes you know we had to think bring things to, to market very very quickly otherwise competitors will come in and there was very expensive amount of research and development so workforce planning was integral part of um, HR and business planning. I mean, presumably you don't need to opt for one time frame, do you? you Not can, at you all. You can plan across various time spans. And see. I think, if nothing else, that conversation with line managers about, you know, on what time frames should we have, be having a dialogue about the workforce and, and make it plural... Um, maybe a very useful way of, of, of doing it because it's not the case that we only want to be looking very long term um, but neither is it the case that this rather unfortunate habit of seeing workforce planning as just a budget setting exercise that's not been particularly helpful I think so and different questions for different timescales presumably and possibly for different bits of the workforce within the same organization would it be fair to say this whole field is getting a bit more complex than perhaps it was, thinking about different ways of employing people, thinking about tech, demographics, all those things, they all play in? They do all play in. I don't know that it's getting more difficult. I think we're making it more fussy. Why do you say that? Because if you look over the last mm, 50 years or more, we've had huge recessions. We've had whole industries disappear. When I had my first experience of workforce planning, there were huge upheavals in the manufacturing industry, as big if not bigger as than we're seeing now. We were losing whole industries and we were also automating very quickly indeed. So 
I think it's always been an uncertain business and it's just a question of getting your head round which uncertainties are important at your particular time and in your particular organisation. So are there lessons to be drawn from the blue-collar sectors then if they've been grappling with these difficulties for longer? I think manufacturing, given it's had such a very tough time, some of the organisations I look to who've been the most thoughtful about workforce planning have been in manufacturing, particularly, for example, in their redesign of work, in thinking about multi-skilling, ways of building more flexibility into their workforce, not necessarily contractual flexibility, but functional flexibility, the ability of people to do more than one thing. And I think we've got so dominated in recent years by what I would call contractual flexibility, outsourcing and gig working and all of those things. We've rather sidelined other ways of getting flexibility into the workforce. That's an interesting point. I mean, just to kind of wrap this, it seems to me the whole concept rests on fully understanding your organisation, doesn't it? That must be your starting point. Yes, I absolutely agree there. We're looking at the whole workforce across functions, across global sites and getting to know the workforce as a whole so that you can then become more agile and more flexible as change comes around. Because this is very much about the trajectory of the business as well, isn't it? In the sense that your business is not a static entity. No, and it's affected both by internal decisions and factors and by external. Yes, we and talked again, about Brexit, obviously a big one. Again, that mental habit in workforce planning of always thinking both internally and externally. And I would start by talking to managers. I think there's this pressure on HR to start doing a lot of analysis. I think if you sit down with someone who's responsible for a unit or a division or an area or a particular group of people and say, what's it like now? How easy is it to resource this area of work? And what changes are coming up? So doing it collaboratively that way with the managers initially, not seeing it as an HR thing, related to Ali's point about it being a business process, then I think you know what data you need to go and look at. I always let the issue or the problem guide me in searching for data. Otherwise, you go and sort of flap about with data, not knowing really what you're looking at. So it's important to look at the whole workforce and the analysis and review that Ali and Wendy were talking about there will play into talent and succession planning and a focus on the key skills you'll want and where you'll need dedicated action plans. That process is going to involve many functions right across the business, of course, including finance and planning. And Wendy's point about talking to line managers before you bury yourself in data was echoed by our final guest. Ollie Britnell is Global Head of Analytics and HR Strategy at Experian. That's an organisation employing 17,000 people and it's all about gathering and analysing data. But he thinks the key to workforce planning is getting out and about right across the business and talking to colleagues about what they do and what they need. And when he joined Experian five years ago, workforce planning was front and centre. Workforce planning was was um, flavour of the month, but interestingly then sort of subsided and, and went away. Why do you think that was? I think the business commitment wasn't there. So for me, workforce planning needs to have 
business commitment. It can't be a HR initiative. Um, it has to be driven from senior business leaders around their commitment to it and, and having probably a slightly longer term vision rather than a tactical short term vision. How long are we talking about? Three, five years is probably the typical, I would, I would say, for true strategic workforce planning. Anything less than that, I would class more as resource planning. So before we get on to how it actually works at Experian, do you, do you want to give us an idea of how it would ideally look <laughs> everywhere? For me, it, it very much starts with that business commitment in terms of true business leaders articulating what's the vision for the organisation and recognising clearly that people are going to play a big component of that. Even in an organisation such as Experian where technology plays a huge part in terms of what we do, the pace of change of technology at the moment is so quick that actually the skills we need to execute on that strategy are evolving at a similarly fast pace. So we need to be thinking much more longer term in terms of what does that look like. Also thinking kind of more broader in terms of things like what does the workforce mix look like? So the the kind of flexibility of the workforce again is a common theme, the gig economy in terms of contingent workers versus perm, etc. And I guess finally from a location strategy perspective is probably the third component that I talk around in terms of, of being clear where do we want to move and, 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 and grow our, our workforces? Obviously, there's a clearly a cost element to that in terms of offshoring and, and the like. But equally, where are the skills that we need actually exist? Okay, so when you put it in those terms, it's a big project. It's a very broad project. How, how do you do it on the ground? The, the reality is, yeah, the scale to do it truly globally is I've, I've yet to see properly executed um so the way certainly we've we've gone about it is a more piloted a kind of approach so we focused on actually a small number of key job families within the organization okay. that we believe are going to be critical so it's probably only focusing on maybe a quarter or a third of our actual total workforce but we've identified those as those are the key ones that for us to truly accelerate our growth and and, and focus on where we want to be so taking your pilot model of doing a chunk of your workforce or for a small organization maybe the whole thing uh what are the steps one of the first hurdles that typically falls down is no one believes the data to start with of going well do we even have that many number of people in in these critical job families to to, to start with so getting okay. getting credible with the data i would say is is certainly the first step and then is that really a problem um, there are a lot of organisations who can still barely count their headcount. I think linked very closely to that is the definition side, quite quite a dry subject, but but a critical one, I think, in terms of when we're talking around future skills and capabilities, are we truly clear on what we mean by that? Product development, that can mean lots of different things to lots of different, different people. That's really so. interesting. So you need housekeeping, you need definitions. Yeah. So de- definition, the board. yeah, definitions in terms of the skills and capabilities. And again, the trick is kind of from a current state to future state as well. So what's needed today isn't necessarily what's needed in the future. So having that definition of today versus tomorrow clear, what are the differences? And again, going back to business commitment of getting them to, to really sign up to that and commit to saying, well, yes, these are the skills that we do truly need. But how do you identify those? I mean, that's quickly said, but it's complex, isn't it? It is, yeah. Lots of workshops, lots of discussions and, 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 and playing it through. So we've, yeah, we, we run workshops with our senior leaders and, and, and team leaders around that topic, basically of saying, right, product development, what do you mean? What does it look like? 
what does a good one today look like versus what do we think it needs to look like moving forward and go through those kind of questions so for me there's a lot of information gathering to start with to get your baseline view of what's actually required and then you start to then move on in terms of data capture clearly in terms of right what do we now now we've got a clear view of what we're talking about how many are we actually going to need moving forward? Is this really feasible for smaller organisations that don't have the sort of resources you have to call on? I'd argue it's it, potentially easier <laughs> to get your hands around. Less um, complex. Less complex. I think where like experience from a workforce size perspective isn't huge. 17,000 is obviously a big number, but it's not as big as, 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 as other global organisations. Um, uh, but we're very matrixed as a, as a business and kind of getting those definitions up front is, is a tricky exercise. Whereas I think if there's a smaller, simplified model of an organisation, potentially it is easier to get your hands around around uh, on it. I and mean, putting your organisation under the microscope in that way must have other business wins as well, because you really do get an accurate picture of who you've got, what they're doing, and what you think they'll be doing in the future, don't you? That's that's useful in all sorts of ways, presumably. Definitely, yeah. Like we've Off the exercise we've done relatively recently, I, I guess... It's provoked some great discussions at the very most senior level within the organisation simply by being able to articulate this is what we anticipate the organisation to grow in five years with this mix of workforce in these locations. People have taken a bit of a step back and gone, whoa, okay, that is going to be quite a big challenge. We're talking about growing product developers by 25% and 50% growth in India, for example. Those are big numbers. So it's kicked a huge amount of work in terms of hiring, strategy, and making sure we've got really clear plans around how we're actually going to tackle this from a hiring perspective. Equally, from a retention perspective, we're utilising analytics in, in a detailed way. We've got predictive tools that look at retaining talent. And then from a learning and development perspective as well of saying, how can we grow some of this talent internally? So this is by no means a job just for data gathering analytics people or indeed just for HR, core HR. If you're putting together a project team to think about this work, who would you have on it? You've got to have the, the business, the business leaders involved as part of this exercise. Finance have, have got to join the party as well, clearly, because there's a cost implication around the changes that are, that are taking place. The HR folk and business partners need to be driving the activity and asking the right questions kind of around it as well. So in terms of wins, I mean, what are you seeing? A far clearer strategy at an organisational level in terms of what's important in terms of skills and capabilities over a three to five year time frame. And then for, for the HR function, I think it's given talent and talent acquisition or recruiting teams and, and learning teams something to really hang their strategy around so because we've got some real numbers we've got something really tangible that they can say from a hiring perspective well in Costa Mesa in the US we need to hire 242 product developers over the next five years that's a challenge that they can really get their hands around and say well how are we going to really execute on that so I think it's it's helped us really frame our HR strategy in a more strategic way that's good news where's it where's this going where's it going who knows it'll probably die a death in 18 months I reckon <laughs> again. And, the, and the cycle will start all over again but no I think I th- for me I think organizations are recognizing more broadly or certainly within within HR the use of data to drive decisions um, it's not going away it's not a fad it's been talked about a lot for the last five ten years as as the next big thing luckily it's probably not now being talked about as the next big 
next big thing because it is now starting to embed and i think most organizations recognize that they need to have a handle on their people hr data in a more strategic way it isn't a nice to have it's a must-have ceos fds are demanding better insight on their people data because they recognize the skills capabilities that are needed are probably not in existence currently and therefore what's how are we going to bridge some of those gaps Okay, so if you're keen to know where to start with workforce planning, here's Ali's advice. We have a Brexit hub. Uh, Also, part of that, the CIPD, in conjunction with IES, produced a workforce planning guide for Brexit and actually a, a workforce planning practice guide which is purely about the process of workforce planning in very simplistic terms. So a great place to start. Yes. My thanks to Ali Weeks, Dr Wendy Hirsch and Ollie Britnell. See you next time. Subscribe to the podcast on your usual podcast app and it will land on your phone on the first Tuesday of every month. Next time, we'll be tackling executive pay when we'll be talking less about how much and more about what's next and how you can eject fairness into your remuneration strategy. Thanks for listening.